Handle on the News. Handle on the News! Bill Handel. It gives us great hope that now there will be more equal access to the opportunities and resources of Mexico. And now, here's Bill Handel. And uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, as we begin July, July 2, and uh, oh, what a weekend it's been. Usually we come here, eh, you know, weekends are always uh, difficult. There's no news. Well, between LeBron James now coming to uh, Southern California, the L.A. Lakers, the Canada tariffs kick in, and a uh, new president in Mexico. Uh, and I'll talk uh, more about that. It's a socialist. And where is Mexico going, to, Mexico going to go? That's a lot of fun. All right. A quick hello to uh, Jennifer Jones Lee. Good morning. Good morning, Handel. Uh, Wayne Resnick is back. Yay! Good morning. Richmond. Back. Richmond. Uh, so uh, where family lives. So tell me, Wayne, how many, con- how many Confederate monuments were you able to save? To save? Yes. Oh, none. They're tearing them down like hotcakes. Well, you went down there to... misuse to... a phrase. Yes. <clears throat> I went down there what? To save the monuments. <laughs> okay, I'll go along with it. Yes. I went there to save the Confederate monuments, but I failed utterly. Yes, you did. Way <laughs> uh, to go, Wayne. Really, about on every corner. It's Remember when they pulled down Saddam's statue? That's right. what it looks like on every corner in Richmond now. I mean, they're, they're, get, just... they're getting rid of... This is true. They're getting rid of all the monuments, and they're putting in Whole Foods and Wegmans everywhere. <laughs> and that's what Richmond is now. These parks are no longer parks. No. They're, no. But there are monuments on every corner almost, aren't there? Uh, yeah, especially through the downs. They have a street called Monument Avenue. Let's just say they named it appropriately. Oh, good. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. All right. Uh, and uh, there's Alex. Good morning. And uh, John. Good morning over there. John with his eyeballs. Both working. Mm. Half a ding. Half a ding for that. Half a, yes. That's true. That's worth half a ding. And if I mention one eyeball, that's a quarter of a ding. Right? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Much, much to talk about. Oh, Petros is coming here uh, a little bit later on. Uh, The insane, uh, the wonderful Petros. Now, you have to give him a hard time because I just chatted with him. But he was delayed by a minute or so because he had to go put down his yoga mat and save his spot before he could come on with me. And he's going to be wrapping up his yoga class as he comes on with you. Yoga at 6 o'clock in the morning. Yes. Good for him. So so Mr. Papadakis is uh, up and running. One thing about Petros, a lot of people don't know this. I know he was an athlete Mm -hmm. uh, and he blew his foot out uh, when he was at SC. Uh, he would have been one of the premier football players in this country. He was that good. Wow. He absolutely I knew was he that, played. I didn't know he, he was, was that amazing. When he was uh, high school, high school senior, he was offered a football scholarship by virtually every single major university in the United States. No kidding? Yeah, well, yeah he was that good. Wow. Oh, he was. I think he was the number one uh, football player in the country. I mean, he, uh, it's, he was scary good. So instead, he ended up with us. Go figure, right? Yeah. (laughs) Blew his foot out. Okay, guys. Uh, He played the last few games with a broken foot and still did okay. Well, I mean, he obviously couldn't go into pro ball, which is a shame. All right, guys. You ready to do it? Let's do it. It's uh, Handle on the News. And there's Jennifer uh, Jones-Lee and uh, Wayne, who is back from uh, the monument-saving trip, which didn't work for him. And me. Lead story. 
last name ever. First name greatest. LeBron back in, uh, well, he's in L.A. Uh, with a $154 million contract with the Lakers. I did not know it was that big a deal. Uh, I knew it was a big deal. I mean, don't misunderstand me. Uh, and a $154 million contract over four years. I mean, that is astounding, which I'm assuming is uh, this is the biggest contract in pro ball uh, in the United States. Although when you go overseas with these uh, high-end world-class uh, soccer players, they're in the $80 million a year range. But then again, they have one or two viewers, uh, don't they? Like in the billions uh, that uh, are watching. So anyway, we're going to talk more about this because there's such financial impact. Outside of the fact that do the Lakers become, and I have to ask this to Petros, do they become instant contenders for the championship because of LeBron? Everybody's shaking their heads. I don't think so. Nope. Well, let's do sports talk. (laughs) No, because I mean, just because he's awesome, he's not the secret sauce. Yeah. The Lakers have a lot of work to do to get that team anywhere close to but being does, a contender. But does he become instantly monetizable? In other words, for sure. He, oh yeah. I mean, that minute, oh, yeah. minute one, he, there is no issue as he was worth. Uh, even outside of his ability to play, he was worth his. $40 million contract. I assume they're already $40 million per they're year. already uh, silk screening the t-shirts that have, it'll say in big letters, L.A. Braun. Yes. Yep. Oh, of right? course. That yep. makes sense. That's and if they're not, yep. there's a, there you go. Yeah, there's, that's the hashtag that's trending. And uh, all right, I mean, people were gathered in droves at Staples Center last night just to celebrate. Like, he's going to bring a ton of money, that's for sure. And then there's this story. Viva Mexico! Viva a left-wing politician vowing to help the poor and fight corruption is one uh, Mexico's presidential election. I'm low. He's, a, he's, a, he's an out-and-out socialist. It's for the poor. He's going to do Venezuela is what he's going to do. There's no question. He's going to be Maduro. And I've got a lot to say about this. And he has promised to fight crime. He has promised to put down the gangs, the narco-traficantes. How long does he live? Uh, no, he'll live. Because he's a president. I mean, the security is completely insane around him. He's a, but there's only one way to do it. And history actually shows us how it worked when it was done correctly. And that is at 720. Good tease. No, but it's uh, it's true. It's not it, When I do these teases, I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke here. Ooh, maybe that's the way to do it, blowing a lot of smoke. Uh, no, that's much like beekeeping. No, there actually is a bit of history here that I'm going to share with you. And that's uh, AMLO, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, known as AMLO. Well, we have some insight into a motive for the stabbing at the children's birthday party at an apartment complex in Idaho. This is astounding. Yeah, the guy's name, Timmy Kinner. And apparently he was mad because he had been kicked out of the apartment complex. So he came back and attacked a three-year-old's birthday party, stabbed nine people, six of them children. Yeah, went after kids, little yep. ones, as young as three. I mean, just insanity. And what, four of them are in uh, life-threatening injuries? Yes. So, I mean, what are the chances of uh, all four of them surviving when you have life-threatening injuries? I think one of the children, fortunately, at least one is going to die. And uh, it is just, it's its insane. Boise is absolutely stunned. They've never had anything like this. It's a very safe town, Boise. 
And so it's just, uh, it's, yeah, it is crazy. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back and uh, we'll just really start. This is KFI. There's Jennifer Handle here and uh, the morning crew, the beginning of July. And uh, let's uh, more, more handle on the news. Uh, Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. And Canada's playing ball now. It started collecting the tariffs it imposed in retaliation for America's new metal tariffs. Oh, yeah. There's a full-blown trade war going on. And at 7.30, uh, we'll do more of that because there are a lot of pieces, all of them being taxed, by the way, that uh, we have to talk about today. Yeah, and the Prime Minister even asked Canadians to think carefully about whether to buy American products. Yeah, that's that's true. I didn't even think about that. Not only do we have tariffs, uh, it could be that uh, Canadians is a matter of uh, national pride. Yeah. Simply say, no American products will stay with, instead of American cheese, Canadian cheese. Which, by the way, happens to be... American cheese. They just call it Canadian cheese. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever had, a, you know, like ham and Canadian cheese sandwich. You go to Canada and it's uh, it's exactly the same. Craft cheese slices, uh, American cheese says craft cheese slices, Canadian cheese. No Canadian bacon there either. Doesn't exist. Back bacon. Same stuff. It's going to be one of those days. Right? And when I went to school there, it was... Uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken of Canada Limited. Different chickens. National uh, Canadian chickens. Okay. Let's let's oh well, let's move on. Oh, I picked a good day to come back. Yes, you I guess. did. Welcome back, Wayne. Well, the situation's not going to get better anytime soon because President Trump said yesterday that he is not going to sign any new NAFTA deal until after the midterm elections. He said because he's not happy with it. Fair enough. But why Why is the midterm, does he think that right after the midterms he'll be happy with something? He I thinks think... that midterms will bring some kind of change that will make Mexico and Canada play ball? No, but I think in liking? terms of uh, the United States, uh, once he gets his, as he perceives it, uh, many, many more uh, House people and senators and uh, his... Uh, the, the balance of uh, Congress will increase in his favor. Republicans, he thinks Republicans are going to be sweeping in in a major way. Democrats thinking that, think that they may take the House. Uh, who knows? Anyway, I think uh, it's a simple question of American support. It's the way I take it. Incidentally, I have real mixed feelings about this uh, trade war business. He's the only one that has the guts to or had the guts to stand up and tell China that's enough. We're done. Uh, we won't take this crap anymore. And with Canada saying we don't, you know, your uh, the uh, tariffs on uh, dairy products, we're done. We're done. If we're if if you're really into free trade, that's what we're talking about is free trade. There's it's not free trade with a bunch of tariffs. There's nothing free about it, so don't call it free trade when it's not. But how do you pursue free trade by using the tools of protectionism, which is what he's doing? He's fighting a war for free trade by using protectionist yeah, weapons. because he's going to tariff them into submission. 
But then that just goes because there's no. How else do you do it? Tit for tat yeah, until how, how, it's, it's five million percent tariffs on right, every single item, right. and that forces the, the other countries to sit down. What do you do? Do you keep on going with calling it free trade? It's a contradiction in terms where you don't do it. We ratchet up the tariffs and then we right. wait to see which yes, country hurts more exactly and gives right. in. Yeah, free trade with us is a contradiction in terms, like a cherry tart. It's uh, on its face. It's just a contradiction. What is happening this morning? Was he like this last week? No. Oh, I think it's oh you. yeah. Yes, on Friday. Well, you Friday, were, you actually. You were complaining. Yes. Friday, Friday, he was kind of in rare right. form. It's like a mailbox. It's total contradictory. All right, let's just move on. It took me a second. Uh, it okay, only took so, me half a second because I've right. known him so long. Susan Collins, the senator, she's now saying who she would not rep- uh, support for a Supreme Court nominee. Oh, sweet Susanna. Uh, yeah, she is very pro-abortion rights for sure and is a Republican, uh, so that becomes very important. However... If it gets to be 50-50, right now it's 49-51. So let's say she switches over in terms of uh, this nomination. It becomes 50-50. The conservatives still win on that one because you have Mike Pence who breaks the tie. And uh, my guess is just a wild guess that Pence is probably going to vote in favor of pro-life. I don't know, just a guess. All right, one more and then we'll take a break. Well, uh, uh, see, this has to do... I'm getting tired of the media playing these games. The headline, President Trump claims he never pushed White House... uh, I'm sorry, House GOP to pass the immigration bill, despite tweeting otherwise. Ooh, we caught him in a hypocrisy. Another one. But when you read the story, their use of words is very careful. He did... It is true that he tweeted uh, Wednesday... House Republicans should pass the strong but fair immigration bill, blah, blah, blah. Then in the story, when they're trying to show what a big hypocrite he supposedly is, they say, well, now the president claims he never pressured House Republicans. It's the media. So can you tweet, hey, I think you should do it, and does that mean you're pressuring them? I just, it's crazy. And and there were two, uh, what, two proposals uh, conservative profo- uh, proposals, good latte one, good latte two, which, by the way, I'm right now drinking good latte one. And my second cup. Do is- we do we even bother on this one? Jen? I don't know. I think we just because I, I think he knows. He's very I, I think he knows himself. what he did there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. Why don't we take a break? <laughs> hey, it's it's what can I tell you? It, we're celebrating Friday on a Monday. Is that okay? I you think already you're celebrated Friday on Friday, though. All right, so we'll celebrate Friday tomorrow, too. Celebrate LeBron. Uh, we will. There's going to be a lot of celebration. We'll be back with uh, more Handle on the News after Jennifer Jones Lee on the News. All right, KFI Handle here, and uh, good morning. On the beginning, at the beginning of July, July 2, and uh, Wayne Resnick is back. Uh, the big stories that we're covering, oh, so huge. LeBron James back to, where to L.A. Uh, with the Lakers and uh, $1.54 billion contract. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed the decimal <laughs> point, but not by much. That's for sure. Uh, Canada tariffs going into, into um, 
into place. And then uh, AMLO wins uh, in the Mexican presidency. Also, uh, we have a board up here that I always put uh, what's coming up next that are just to keep me uh, sort of organized because if I don't read it, I don't know what we're going to talk about. If I don't read my name up there, I don't know who I am. Anyway, what Wayne does is he fills it out. And he talks about coming up next, 7 a.m., uh, a, uh, AM 570s, Petros will be on, talk about LeBron James coming to the, and instead of the Lakers, he wrote, coming to the Latkes. Oh, the Latkes. Yes, where the L looks like a T. Now, I'm assuming that was inadvertent, right, Wayne? No, that was for you. Oh. That was a fun little thing for you oh, to so discover. Oh, so that was done on purpose. Yes. Oh, it would be make much more fun if it was done as... Not on purpose. Right. Fun for you because then you can make fun of me for being dumb. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Let's do it. More handle on the news. To you, I say, how dare you? Dare you to move. Maxine Waters, last latest one to get into a pissing match with uh, the president. And this is uh, regarding the immigration. uh, Well, actually, the rally. That was huge on Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah. Although it wasn't as big as uh, the Million Man March, it certainly wasn't as big as we have these abortion issues. It wasn't as big as uh, the Women's March. It wasn't as big as uh, when you have uh, March. Uh, well, uh, what was the other big march we have? Well, C- the gun, civil the rights gun march. The gun control recently. marches are huge. This is. Uh, not all that many people care to this extent. I mean, it was hundreds of thousands over the entire country as opposed to millions and millions. Yeah, Saturday they had these Families Belong Together rallies, like you said, all across the country. And in Maxine Waters' speech here, she said, this was to the president, how dare you? How dare you take the babies from mother's arms? How dare you take the children and send them all across the country into so-called detention centers? Yeah, she never bitched and moaned about the about this issue when Barack Obama was doing it. That is correct. Yeah. I hope you like your margarita's room temperature because there's a movement afoot to abolish ice. ice. Very good. Of course, they mean uh, Immigration Customs Enforcement. They want to get rid of the agency. But it's hard to tell. Are they saying we want to get rid of deportations? Or enforcement, or we simply want to reorganize how the agencies are structured and how the uh, responsibilities are apportioned out across different agencies. Those within the agency and the FBI, there are certain people that want to abolish it. There it is a reorganization. Uh, That's not an issue. But as you read story after story, it's just abolish, abolish, abolish without the let's bring in something else. Because you're right. Uh, Abolish ICE. Deportations just stop. And are we going back to we should have no borders? That philosophy. Uh, Vincente Fox, when he was, uh, I think, uh, post-presidency, said that the line between the United States and Mexico is simply an arbitrary line. It doesn't, the separation doesn't exist. We are all citizens of the same country. It's like going from one state to another. The only Literally, the only demarcation is you have a sign that says, Welcome to Arizona. That's it. There's your line. I think this movement could even get more steam if the if it was more of a restructure ICE 
or reform ICE or something like that. Right. Because people say if you if you were to divide ICE into two separate groups, one that focused on deportations or families coming across the border, that sort of thing, and then you had one that focused on the coyotes and stuff like that, that would be different. Right. Minimum wage has gone up in some L.A. cities, L.A. county cities. Just let me hold my yep. paycheck. L.A., Pasadena, Santa Monica, Malibu, uh, $13.25 per hour with businesses of 26 or more employees. And uh, for those businesses uh, under with 25 or fewer, uh, it's, uh, it's now $12 an hour, which is why on Friday... We had 28 employees at my office, and we fired <laughs> no. we fired five of them. You know, you're joking, but I wonder if there were any businesses who said, we're going to have to lay people off oh, yeah. because we can't. Oh, there were plenty, and I'm not joking. There were plenty. Uh, certainly places that, um, fast food places, retail places, a lot of places that do, uh, that do pay minimum wage. Yeah. Yeah, it's money. It's real money. Then the issue becomes... Uh, that do you have a livable wage? And I am in. I've always been in favor of a, of a livable a livable wage. I'm the one that I'm going for 15 bucks an hour because I just believe that if you work full time, how is it that you can't eat? I've just never understood that concept ever. Well, and Garcetti started this clear back in 2015, and it was supposed to be this gradual increase. Uh, you know, going up into 2020 when it would be $15 an hour. But is a gradual increase the way to go when you, the cost of living goes up every year as well? I think there's there may be a COLA increase with these wages. That's what the new law is, that it just it goes up. Uh, well, no, actually it doesn't because it kicks up uh, outside of the cost of living. There should be a cost of living. My mother, for example, has her pension. And uh, she she worked for the county. There's a cost of living increase. Social Security has a cost of living increase every year because you're right. If it if it turns out to be huge and a huge inflationary year, which we used to have, I mean, during the Carter years, we had 17 percent inflation. It was crazy. How do you how do you possibly live on a fixed pension with something like that happening? Let's take a break. And we'll be back, Jennifer Jones Lee. I don't wanna know, no, no, no. Who's taking you home, 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 home? loving you so, 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 so. The way I used to love you. Handle here on a Monday, July 2. Uh, big stories that we're covering. Uh, LeBron James. We're gonna talk to Petros Papadakis uh, up at 7 o'clock, uh, AM 570, and uh, talk about what the impact LeBron's gonna have. Uh, Canada tariffs kicked off, and uh, there's a new president of Mexico. And uh, how's he going to destroy Mexico in one fell swoop? I'll tell you. Coming up. All right. Let's go back uh, and finish up. Handle on the news. Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. The judge who oversaw the integration of LAUSD has passed away. Paul Egley, he was 97. And uh, this is really amazing to me because after the Civil Rights Act was passed... And Brown v. Board of Education was decided. It wasn't until 1976 that the California Supreme Court ruled that LAUSD had to desegregate its schools. And it was really controversial because there were people, there were kids that would go to a that used to go to a school three blocks away that were put on a bus and would be driven 90 minutes to an inner city school. Because desegregation involved not only allowing minority kids into or busing them into primarily white schools, 
but the other way, too. Desegregation involved all of it. And, boy, let me tell you, there were some really happy camper parents about that one. They changed the constitution of the state to uh, to outlaw at a constitutional level mandatory busing. Yeah, because it was so it was so crazy. Two time award winner Olivia de Havilland has turned 102. Yep. Remember Gone with the Wind? Oh, she was Melanie. She was Melanie. Matter of fact, we just watched that a couple of days ago over the weekend. It is such a time suck for you me. Know, if I see is, that on TV, I have to stop and watch it. It is. That has not dated no. one minute Gone with the Wind. There's just some great stories about Gone with the Wind. She's 102 years old. Yep. And uh, she does not live. Uh, I think she was a Brit, wasn't she? Originally? She, I think she yeah, was parents, born. But Tokyo. she was born. Yeah, in Tokyo. To That's British right, parents. To British parents. Yeah. And uh, she uh, has, uh, she's lived in Paris since 1956 and never learned French. Did you know that? No. I just made that up. Oh, okay. Oh, no. Well, uh, Governor I Brown said Manson follower Leslie Van Houten cannot get paroled, and now a judge has upheld that decision. And that's a technical issue, uh, saying to saying about the governor's decision, there is some evidence that she's still a danger. If there were no, if there was no evidence, she'd be out on the street. And she was 19. She's now 68. And it's kind of weird because she, uh, he said he's contradicted himself, and that is uh, certainly the parole board finds that she is no longer a threat and has rehabilitated herself and gone to school. Yada yada. And uh, he uh, said uh, in January, the aggravated nature of the crime alone, because this has to do with the crime itself, uh, alone can provide a valid basis for denying parole, even when there is strong evidence of rehabilitation and no other evidence of current dangerousness. And he said he, uh, he denied it because of current dangerousness. Well, but using the heinousness of the I crime as the evidence yes. of current, basically, Still. there's some things that a person does that, that they can matter. never come back from. And the Manson murders seem to be one of those things. Hey, guys, we just got word into the KFI newsroom. The FBI says it's arrested a U.S. citizen who tried to help al-Qaeda plan an attack targeting police and members of the military in Cleveland. The attack was planned for the 4th of July parade in Cleveland's downtown area. The guy's accused of trying to scout out a place to park a van packed with explosives. And he's also accused of wanting to give children remote control cars filled with explosives. That's very special. Now, he is, uh, is he an American national? They said arrested a U.S. citizen. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean he's a national. He could be a naturalized uh, American like I am. And everybody's considered, still considers me a foreigner. I get so many letters. Go back to where you came from. Are you serious? Oh, yes. So I'd love to know uh, his name. As soon as he comes out, uh, I'm willing to bet what his name is. Okay. Sounds racist. Absolutely. But I'll see if it pans out. Yes. Uh, This next one is um, odd. A A UCLA professor died during a bondage session at the home of a Hollywood executive. I'm a mummy. I scare people. Wrapped head to toe in plastic wrap and gaffer's tape with small breathing holes at the nose and the mouth. That's very funny, by the way. And it just didn't work out, so he suffocated. 
And see, everybody thinks that's weird. Uh, he's in an, uh, an SNM BND situation, SMB, whatever the hell that is. Uh, BDSM. BDSM. Yes. Uh, bondage and discipline, dominance, submission. Yeah. So uh, there he is. See, here's the problem. You think it's weird. Uh, my argument is why would you quibble with someone else's foreplay? It is none of our business. Did so he right. dies. Yeah, he's did, dead. Did you read the line, though? It's like three paragraphs down. The decedent's partner observed that the decedent was not reacting properly. My question is, how are you supposed to re- react during a mum- mummification ritual? I think you're supposed to breathe. <laughs> I'm a I, mummy. Yeah. Oh, here's, man. Here's a great story. Oh, well, uh, comedian Stuttering John, John Melendez, known mostly for his work with the Howard Stern Show, Managed to get President Trump on the phone. We don't get fooled again. Impersonating Senator Bob Menendez. Right, Bob Menendez. Who happens to be a Democrat. Yep. And was able to get through to the president where they had a fairly He was on Air Force One. Yeah. And he took the call thinking it was uh, (laughs) Senator Menendez. He would be the only one, only president would take a call like this. Well, here's the problem. They say it's Jared's fault because Jared talked to him first and believed that it was the senator. And he's the one who said, hey, dad-in-law, you know, take this call. All right. We're done, guys. Uh, And by the way, just so I say, the Secret Service has spoken to Mr. Stuttering John. Whether he will be in any trouble, I don't know. Because he tried and got Uh, through to the president without a threat? Impersonation, possibly. But impersonation, oh, impersonation of a senator? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. They'll, if they can find any way to mess with him, they will. Yeah. It's, is that as bad as an impersonation of a mummy in a BDSM incident? And that was the death penalty, by the way. Stop. Wow. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. Bill. All right. Now, he did. Oh, man. Okay. Petros Papadakis going to talk about LeBron James coming to the Latkes as it's the Lakers. All you have to do is put a, a little cross on the uh, on the L. Uh, come, and, this, and it's a big, big deal. Handel and the morning crew. This is KFI AM 640. Y'all ready for this? All right, Handle here. It is a uh, Monday, July 2. Big news over the weekend. First of all, the Can- uh, Canadian tariffs kick in. A new president of Mexico, AMLO, Andres Manuel uh, Lopez Obrador. We'll talk more about him. And that's a big one coming up at 7.20. And uh, obviously news as just as big. Uh, LeBron James is now coming to L.A. Uh, Petros Papadakis which is her, who's heard on AM 570 on Petros and Money, and that's every weekday from 2 to 7 p.m. And I strongly urge you listen to Petros and Money because, first of all, it's a fabulous show. Second of all, he's not on during this time uh, that we do this show. All right, uh, Petros, uh, good morning. Thanks for hanging with us. Good morning. Good morning, Bill. Hello to your listeners. Hello to everybody. Uh, all hail to the king, King James. Now, uh, two questions instantly, because obviously you are very invested in this story. And that is, number one, is this guy worth $40 million a year? Uh, Is he being overpaid? And number two, 
Uh, does he become, does the Lakers, do the Lakers become instant champion, at least contenders? Well, they become relevant. Uh, contenders, yeah. Uh, they're not going to win championships over the Golden State Warriors. Uh, and this guy's going to be 40 years old when this contract is over. And as you know, Father Time, as I said earlier today, is undefeated. But he is the best basketball player in the world. He's arguably the best of all time. This is the biggest signing the Lakers have ever made. They're automatically relevant. Every move this guy makes is going to be magnified, especially being in our media epicenter. I think that's why he's come here. As far as being worth the money, you could pay him six times that much, and uh, he's still uh, he's still underpaid. Really, uh, in terms yeah, of uh, with it, you're now you're talking about billion. the Lakers itself or the the big uh, story of the economy of Los Angeles? Uh, everything. Uh, the the basketball revenue is not this guy's uh, probably best revenue stream. It, it's probably the advertising, the global brand of just being LeBron James, just like Michael Jordan. He was the, the first of, of his kind in this way. And this guy's bigger than Kobe. And it is uh, it is going to be a giant mushroom cloud of media attention on every move this guy makes with the Lakers and every move the Lakers make around him. It, you thought the Lakers were dramatic before. This makes him much more dramatic. And Kobe is going to reinsert himself. He's on the radio on AM570 right now, I think, uh, or, or in the next couple hours, uh, because I believe he'll be the next president of the Lakers to try to get closer to this situation. But they're not going to beat the Warriors. That's what all the basketball experts say. And how much did this actually cost Cleveland to lose LeBron? Probably exponentially uh, unknown, uh, kind of like the thriving downtown area and the whole deal. Uh, basketball is all about an individual. That's one thing that's very interesting about the Lakers, because in the last few years, the Lakers have been irrelevant as far as wins and losses, but they still captured the imagination of people. Uh, the Dodgers have been wildly relevant, capturing people's imaginations, but they've had to win to do so. Just by existing, the Lakers have. Now, uh, this magnifies everything a uh, hundredfold. Like, uh, it's going to be very interesting just to watch the whole thing play out and, uh, and how he reacts inside the market and, and on that team. All right, ticket prices, uh, both individual ticket prices and, uh, seasons pa and season passes. Astronomical. They will go way up. Uh, they're always up for the Lakers because the Lakers have 16 banners and they're one of the most popular sports franchises of all time. But I'm sure we'll have Barry from Barry's Tickets on in the next couple of days and he'll talk about what it means for his business, not just uh, at home, but when the Lakers travel and, uh, and wherever they go uh, with this guy, not to mention the playoffs. I just heard a sound clip from one of the delusional fans out front of Staples Center last night. And the one thing he was right about is, yes, the Lakers are going to go back to the playoffs. They're going to play competitive basketball in the spring and summer, and that's going to be a change from the last half decade. Now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just fascinated uh, by uh, the the impact that something that someone like this has, and it's not just. A, I'm paying attention not just to the uh, the team itself. You're telling me that just to the Lakers spending forty million dollars a year is a good deal. Oh, they they pay them more if they could. What do you mean if, if they could? Oh, because of the caps, right? Yeah. 
yeah, the salary cap. Uh, with the salary cap and the luxury taxes and the way everybody has to fit, uh, it becomes very yeah. complicated. The truth is, if LeBron wanted to make the most money, he would have stayed in Cleveland. And if he wanted to make more money before that, he would have stayed in Miami. And if he wanted to make more money before all that, he would have stayed in Cleveland the first time. Uh, that, that He's given up tens of millions of dollars to make these moves, just like Kevin Durant did when he left the Oklahoma City Thunder and joined uh, the Warriors a couple of years ago. This basketball money is secondary to what these guys make in China, what they make from the shoe companies, uh, what they make in commercial revenue. Now, Kobe, uh, our big superstar in L.A., lost a lot of that when he had the sexual assault trial in Colorado. Those blue-chip sponsors like Sprite, and McDonald's never came back to him, but they're with LeBron forever. All right, thanks, uh, Petros. I'm sure uh, you're going to be talking a little bit about uh, uh, LeBron. Also, uh, uh, soccer, a big deal. Who's going to win? Uh, is it going to be Mexico? Is it going to be Brazil, in your opinion? Well, I would never want to insult a Brazilian native on thank, air. Thank God. I, so, I uh, so does that mean you actually think Mexico is going to win? Uh, no, no. Okay, good. I, I support I support El Tri and and uh, the selection of Mexico and the new president, but uh, I do I think the smart money's on Brazil, Bill. All right, thanks, Petros. All right, I love you, Bill. All right, take care. Of course you do. All right, uh, Petros, uh, this afternoon, two to seven o'clock. All right, coming up, a uh, new president of Mexico and what it means and something that he said. Well. He's going to destroy Mexico. The only thing is, how long is it going to take? And that's our guess. We'll be, we'll be back with that. Handle and the morning crew here uh, at the beginning of July. It's uh, Monday, and some of the big stories that we are covering, LeBron James uh, is coming to uh, Los Angeles and that is a huge, huge deal. Canadian tariffs are kicking in. Matter of fact, there's a story going on right at this moment where the president is threatening to really nail Harvey Davidson from, uh, in reference to them establishing a factory overseas for the European market. And then the other huge story, and I want to talk about that for a moment or two, is the election in Mexico of Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, known as AMLO. And uh, he won, and I mean in a landslide, the presidential election. So a couple things are going on. He's very Trump-like. You have to compare him to the president because he ran uh, effectively as a populist. Well, he ran as a, uh, well, he ran as a socialist, but he won because of the same sentiment that Donald Trump won. And that is that the electorate is just sick and tired of what was going on. They're done with the way the country was being run, much like uh, we in the United States were just done with the establishment. As a matter of fact, he said, the president said, it's going to be a whole different world. We're going to drain the swamp. And as a matter of fact, the swamp became even swampier because uh, he uh, put into place uh, people who have uh, a lot of experience in government. But uh, that is a sorry sidebar story. So I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about um, Obrador himself. And there are two issues in Mexico, and uh, he attacked both those issues. Uh, one is uh, the poverty. 
Uh, half of Mexico lives uh, below the poverty level. And even, well, it's actually, uh, I believe, probably a second world country. Certainly isn't a first world country. And it's not a third world country. But I'll, I'll, I'll say it's a second world country. And there is, uh, it's like many other Latin American countries, there are effectively two classes. The wealthy and the poor. There's not much of a middle class going on. And so you have the poor who are largely poor. And it is not fun to be poor, not even a little bit. And so what he did is he ran on uh, the socialist ticket. And he said, we are going to make it more fair for the poor. We're going to subsidize more. And the this presidency is going to bring not so much wealth to the poor, but distribute the wealth so it becomes more even. So that it's instead of trickling down, it sort of rains really hard down to the poor folks. And that changes everything. You had uh, for decades the PRI, which is uh, the major party in Mexico. They basically own Mexico. And a pretty conservative uh, party. Well, uh, that's out the window. It is now pure socialism. And obviously it's the poor folks who support it, much like in Venezuela with Maduro. The poor people support Maduro. They support the government. And what happens when you nationalize everything and the money goes to subsidies and uh, business is hurt, business is attacked, as a matter of fact. It's actually a business person is considered an evil person. Well, it wipes out an economy is what it does. Nobody has any incentive to work, to produce, to create. Businesses become nationalized. And so what he is going to do is guarantee that the economy of Mexico goes into the toilet. Because socialist countries, it does not work. Now, maybe in the Scandinavian countries, but then there is a work ethic over there that almost nobody in the world has. And also, it's a homogenous society. And, uh, well, I don't want to even go into that because that's a whole different topic. But... It turns out that what's going to happen in Mexico is the money is going to now start flowing big time at the expense of corporations, wealthy people. The market system is all going to go. One of the reasons that Mexico is not doing very well now in terms of the poor people is because there's a huge IMF loan out there. Mexico had to borrow money. Well, before the IMF, the International uh, International Monetary Fund, actually loans money, they want austerity. They say, sure, we'll give you money if you bring inflation down, if the interest rates go down, if you spend less money as a government. Read subsidies to the people And so austerity kicks in. Uh, The people suffer more, but the economy of the country kicks up. There's more money for people that earn a lot more money. Businesses do better. Well, this is totally the opposite. And this is going to do, let's take away from business and move it more towards the poor people, which is virtually a guarantee to destroy an economy. All right. That was one issue. The other big issue is crime, and there's an answer to dealing with crime, and, uh, and I'm going to give you a historical reference where it absolutely worked brilliantly. We'll do that when we come back.
This is KFI, Jennifer Jones Lee. KFI Handle here on a Monday, July 2. Big news over the weekend. LeBron James is coming to L.A. He's going to be a Laker. Uh, the Canada tariffs have kicked in. I'll take more about that at 9 o'clock because that's a big one. And Andres uh, Manuel Lopez Obrador AMLO has won the presidency of Mexico landslide. And he brings uh, a whole lot of new news to Mexico uh, socialism. And uh, the problem with that, not only in and of itself it's a problem, and that is helping the poor. There's nothing nothing wrong with that. But attacking capitalism, making sure the rich pay more to the point where it doesn't even make any sense to work. Nationalizing businesses, you're going to see that happen. And the problem is when you nationalize a business and you put in a government worker in Mexico... Well, the corruption is so intense in Mexico. It's one of the most corrupt countries in the world. And if the government now is running things, man, it just explodes. And the the corruption is beyond anything you can imagine. I remember there was an expert in Mexico. I was talking to him. He sold a lot of goods to Mexico. And he said, as far as the corruption goes, there is no difference uh, between the cop on the beat where a, a traffic cop stops you and you have to pay him the 10 pesos or the 20 pesos to the president of the United of uh, Mexico. It's just a question of dollars. That's the only difference. The president walks away with billions. The cop walks away with a couple hundred dollars a month. That's it. Okay, now, uh, another point in which he won the presidency is he is going to stop the crime. Because crime it, uh, is, of course, as you know, the gangs, the narco-traficantes, the cartels own Mexico. I mean, they literally own huge swash, swatches of Mexico. And every president has been trying to deal with it and can't. Because as the cartels get bigger and bigger, they're really more of a government even than the government. That's the kind of control they have. So how do you really realistically get rid of the the cartels, the gangs that are so entrenched and so powerful and so corrupt, the money that they pay to police and officials is so astronomical that uh, the corruption literally reads and, uh, reaches the very highest of the Mexican government. And even worse than that, they give you a choice. Right, a cartel member comes up and says, "We're going to now uh, export two hundred million dollars worth of cocaine." All right, just a hypothetical, and uh, you have the choice. And let's say you're running the border, right, as a Mexican official. Well, here's your choice: uh, you either let it through, or we're going to kill you and your entire family. And that's no idle threat either. Uh, so you wonder why. Uh, these cartels, why the uh, criminal element is so much in control of all of Mexico. And a lot of the blame comes to us because we're the ones that love this stuff. We import all of these drugs. Well, not legally, but they come across and, of course, Americans use those drugs. So is there an answer to getting rid of the cartels? Historically, there is. And I'm going to go back to the 20s and 30s of Italy, Mussolini, when the mafia, it was known as the mafia at that point, 
when the criminal element that became the mafia controlled large parts of Italy. So you know what Mussolini did? He killed them all. And he killed their cousins. And effectively, he just wiped them out. Anybody who knew, who had an uncle, who had a friend, gone. Just gone. And so where do they go? They went to the United States is where they came. And you had the mafia, which, of course, controlled the booze during Prohibition and controlled the importation of cigarettes because the taxes were high enough where the black market worked. And then the drugs, of course, prostitution, racketeering, loan sharking, the families. We've all seen uh, those movies, uh, The Godfather and that entire ilk of movies. And so that's what Mussolini did. And it's going to take that. Now, there are people that are not corrupt, or at least parts of the military that are not corrupt, but that's what it's going to take. And I will tell you, AMLO will not go that far. It's lip service that he's giving. I will take care of the crime. Just elect me. There's a lot of that going on. But then that's what you figure every politician is going to say. I will take care of it. Now, what is going to happen is the economy is going to change. Poor people will do better. There will be subsidies. There will be plenty of corn subsidies to make tortillas. There will be gasoline subsidies. There will be housing subsidies. And uh, you can't run a country that way. Look what's happening in Venezuela. Right? The socialists have wiped out Venezuela, starting with Chavez and now Maduro, has wiped out Venezuela. Venezuela used to be the richest country in South America. Caracas was known as the Paris of South America. It was beautiful. Actually, Buenos Aires, also. The two were uh, interchangeable in terms of first world cities. Beautiful. The streets, the, uh, the cafes, all of that's gone. Gone because of the government. And I'll bet you it's uh, going to happen. Maybe not that to that extent, but pretty damn close. Oh, God, is life wonderful, huh? All right, uh, coming up, uh, Operation Streamline is coming to uh, California. What does that mean? Well, it, we're going right into the issue of separating families and what happens at the border. And it's a coming I'm going to tell you about that. This is KFI. There's Jennifer. All I want to do today is wear my favorite shades and stay home. Work a little less, play a little more. That's what this day is for. And all I want to do is lace my jeans and lace some jack in my coat. Work on my laid back. Ain't nothing wrong with getting my Sundays on. All right, I'm back. Had to go down the hall. To, uh, our little 7-Eleven vending machines to get my sun chips. All right. Uh, now, uh, let me tell you uh, what's going on with Operation Streamline. What does that mean? Well, uh, if uh, you go to Tucson, and uh, what ends up happening when you watch these illegal border entry cases, they're trying this Operation Streamline where the cases are adjudicated from start to finish in a matter of hours 
dozens of uh, these unauthorized immigrants. I love the names that people uh, throw on this. Unauthorized, undocumented, uh, illegal aliens. And they're wearing the same clothes they're arrested in at the border uh, just a day or two earlier. They pled guilty, and this is one particular day, and were sentenced by a rotating panel of judges. This is Operation Streamline. And the reason I'm talking about it is not only because in and of itself is the future when it comes to the zero tolerance policy, which incidentally has not slowed down, even with the kind of publicity it's been getting. And uh, so this same similar fast track system is coming to California. And it is coming probably in the next week or two, starting in San Diego, And why? Well, because the zero tolerance policy, uh, they just want to handle more, more quickly. It turns out that keeping people in detention for months at a time is simply too expensive. And the catch and release program is gone. Uh, The government certainly doesn't want to do that. Not this administration. Catch and release, meaning uh, someone is picked up illegally. uh, They're put into a detention center, but there's so many uh, there's a backlog, so the judges say, here you go, we'll give you a a date where you come back and we'll adjudicate uh, your issue, and off you go. And here's your date that you never show up for. So that's just another way for illegal aliens to get into the country, and successfully so. So you now have zero tolerance, where nobody is going to be let in. There will be no catch and release uh, they're not going to give people all of this time to come back. It's let's get to, let's get to it right now. And they're in front of a judge. They're, it's adjudicated right now. And here is why this makes sense for the administration. Because it is certainly cheaper. It takes care of the problem instantly. There's a much stronger deterrent. Because if they're criminally prosecuted, it's far more impressive to the illegal aliens, negative impressive, than just civil deportations. Now, of course, uh, critics are going, wait a minute. Defendants have a right to due process. This is assembly line justice. Well, that it is. Whether due process or not is being challenged, that's another issue entirely. And so uh, defense attorneys are at least asking the program, say, hey, at least make it a five-day process. Right? Uh, aliens being arraigned one day, appearing in court on the fifth day to plead guilty and be sentenced or to request a trial. And uh, so here's what the attorneys want, right, the defense attorneys. That illegal aliens who were arrested the previous day overnight be available to be interviewed by defense attorneys in the morning In the afternoon, during a hearing, a judge advises the defendants of charges against them, explains rights, appointed counsel, discusses bail, and then the defense attorneys have a few days to follow up on and with their clients. And then on the fifth day, they're back in court for a hearing to either plead guilty or to be sentenced or to request a trial or to just bail out and go home. Hmm. The attorneys also want that the defendants participating in this special court, be housed in a detention facility nearby so they can have access to them, so they can talk to their clients. And then the issue of family separation. Is there become no such thing as family separation? 
which the Trump administration has agreed to. Remember, President Trump signed an order saying there will be no future family separations. Well, you still got 2,000 kids in detention centers that have not been, in fact, reunited with the family. And you've got, I don't know how many thousands, and I don't even know the number, that have been separated and they are looking for family members, sponsors all over the country. And in many cases, these are kids that were born in the United States. Parents have been deported. And now what? Well, most of the kids go with their parents, especially infants. They're American citizens. Uh, they can come back at some, whatever point uh, they want. It's just that, what do you do? Do you uh, keep a three-month-old in the United States when, in fact, the parent had been deported? It used to be that if a child was born in the United States, they were called anchor babies. Then you had the family members almost automatically be able to stay in the United States and apply for a green card based on the anchor baby concept. That went out the biz, out the window because people were coming over and having children just for just for the sole reason of becoming American citizens. Still a huge industry uh, in Southern California, especially, especially the San Gabriel Valley. Michelle, down the street from her, has these apartment buildings that are rented just for that purpose. It's birth tourism, where women, Chinese women, who are pregnant, usually pregnancy is women, uh, come to the United States just to have a kid, just so they can get their American passport. I have clients where uh, they come to the United States, and uh, certainly one of the reasons they come to the United States for a surrogate is so the child is born in the United States. That passport is magic. A U.S. passport is a passport to a future, to opportunity. I mean, that's the best thing you can give a kid is a passport, an American passport, especially if you live in uh, a country, uh, insert name of whatever toilet country you want here, Mexico, El Salvador. And I use the word uh, not to describe the people. I use the word to describe the government and the situation they live in. All right, coming up, Moolah Monday with Guy Adami. Uh, we've got LeBron news. We've got NAFTA news. Uh, we have uh, the tax break news. All of that coming up. KFI AM 640. Money talks. Bill Handel doesn't notice a buck here or a buck there. Here comes the money. And nobody's got bigger weight. Monday, July 2, big news going on today. Uh, the Canadian tariffs kick in, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that at 9 o'clock. Uh, we have a new president, or they have a new president in Mexico, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. Also big news, and uh, probably the biggest news, especially for here in, people here in Southern California, is LeBron James leaves the cabs uh, and uh, comes to... Los Angeles. He is going to be a Laker. Guy Adami, Mula Monday. Oh, good morning, Guy. Are you a, are you a basketball fan, by the way? 
I was a bat. Well, yes, I'm a bat. Good morning, Bill. I'm a basketball fan. Although my New York Knicks have not been relevant now in you know decade and a half at best, so it's hard for me to to watch. You know, if you know what I'm saying. On the other hand, there were still uh, uh, Cubby fans out there, right? With uh, how long before they got a World Series? Yeah, 100, were, 103, 104 See, years. Something there was there was something lovable about the Cubs. I think the Cubs fan actually embraced losing it was a badge of honor right. whereas the Knicks fans you know we had some decent years in the 90s and we're longing for those years so I, I like what you're trying to do there but I think the comparison fails on me fair enough all right LeBron James 140 million dollars uh, over 154 million dollars over four years about 40 million dollars a year give or take and uh, we talked to Petros earlier this morning about whether or not he is uh, worth it to the Lakers, and Petro said absolutely, completely. Let's talk a bigger picture here. Bringing someone of LeBron James ilk, uh, does that, number one, have a real impact on the economy here in Southern California, and uh, to what extent? Well, Let's back into it. It obviously had a huge impact to Cleveland. I think, you know, they estimated the drinking establishment, the restaurants numbers were up 13%. Employment was up some 25%. And let's face it, he made Cleveland cool. Now, I'm not going to try to disparage Cleveland, but sure you are. To LeBron, well, but, you know, prior to him getting there, you weren't going to Cleveland for a lot. And then all of a sudden, you know, Dan Gilbert goes there, Quicken Loans, they built casinos, employment is up, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, Cleveland became a destination. And so I think in terms of what he did there, he had a huge impact. Now, respectfully, L.A. has been cool for a long time. So will he, will he affect it on the margins? Maybe. But, you know, L.A. was cool before LeBron. It'll be cool after and I think he will have an effect, but not nearly to the extent that he had in Cleveland and Miami, for that matter. So when you talk about effect, other than, of course, the Lakers themselves and uh, season tickets and television rights and certainly tickets in general, which are going to go through the roof, how is he going to affect, to whatever extent, the rest of Southern California's economy? What, is, what does he do that makes him so valuable? But, Other know, than play basketball, of course. I think it's just for him. and He has his production company out there. I'm sure he's going to get involved in some businesses out there. But, you know, Southern California is Southern California with or without LeBron James. And I guess what I'm saying is Cleveland was, you know, Cleveland was struggling prior to him getting there. And he did so many things for that economy in terms of jobs, in terms of commerce, in terms of cool factor, and in terms of people wanting to move there. I'm not certain he'll have the same effect. With that said, what he will do for the Lakers is incredible. I mean, the Lakers are a team of stars, and now they got the biggest one on the planet, maybe the best basketball player of all time in L.A. So I think the fan base, which is ardent, will rally around this. And I think the Lakers, which have been a doormat now for the last few years, will be relevant again. They went from being a non-factor to win the championship to, I think, a 7-2 to favorite, if you think about that. Obviously, Golden State still the favorite, but the Lakers, I think, are now number two with the Celtics. Are you aware, and I wasn't, uh, that uh, James already has a couple of houses here in Southern California? Yeah, no, I knew that, and I think that was part of the allure. Again, he's got a production company. I think he wants to be a movie mogul at some point. So 
for a lot of reasons, it made a lot of sense for him to go out there. I think, to me, the only other two destinations for him, if he were to leave Cleveland, was going to be Houston um, for what they're doing down there, and maybe Philadelphia, who has the best young talent in the game. But I think L.A. just made a lot of sense, and you know, clearly they swooped in and paid him a ridiculous amount of money. But you know what's funny? It's not just him. I mean, if you look at what's going on in the NBA Teams in the NBA yesterday spent $1 billion, with a B, dollars on free agents. So you say what you want about the NFL. The most popular sport in the world is, is basketball. Well, you're seeing it with some of the dollars yeah, being paid. Not quite the same as soccer, but uh, still. Well, I, mean, it, it's, I mean, you know, I'd love a good football match like you do. I'm riveted to this. Who's playing right now? Mexico, Mexico and Brazil. Yeah, it's just forget about and it. And hopefully, oh, Brazil has to Can't win on that away. one. Oh, no, no, Brazil, Brazil, Brazil. Uh, yes. Okay, uh, let's take a break. We're going to come back, and I want to talk a little bit about um, NAFTA and what uh, the tax break has done to corporations, help them enormously, and what they're doing with the extra money. That's all coming up. Mula Monday with Guy Adami, KFI AM 640, Jennifer Jones Lee. Monday, July 2, uh, we have a new president. Well, they have a new president in Mexico who is a socialist. LeBron James coming to uh, the Lakers. Uh, that's huge news. And uh, now I want to cover a little bit about the uh, tax break, uh, the corporate tax break that uh, Donald Trump put into place. Guy Adami is uh, with us. Moolah Monday. Guy The economy is on fire. Unemployment is way down. Yet there's a lot of criticism as to corporation and what the corporations and what they've done with the money they have saved vis-a-vis the tax cut. Would you comment, please? Yeah, there's a lot of credit. Well, the economy's on fire. We can debate that. The economy is strong. I think it's on solid ground. But I mean, what the companies have done with the tax break is pretty simple. Um, As much as we wanted to and hope they would reinvest. You know, hire people, raise wages. To a certain extent, that's happened. But to a very large extent, what they've done with this money is buy back their own stock, which is great for shareholders, and it's great for people that participate in the stock market. But quite frankly, it's really not what um, they wanted this money to be intended for. You can't force them to do things. You just hope that they would do theoretically the right thing and And say that theoretically and and i agree but uh here is the other side of that coin and that is let's assume that they took that money and instead of buying back the shares uh they invested it in new factories they invested it in equipment and purchase uh and jobs would come uh, back well uh all the jobs are filled I mean, unemployment is at a record. Unemployment is at a record low. So, what do you do when sort of everybody's already working? So it's interesting you say that, and embedded in there is, is a very interesting thought. A lot of people think that these tax breaks came at the exact wrong time in the cycle, the exact wrong time for all the reasons that you just laid out. So, although it made great headlines and it's great politically, and it plays to President Trump's base, 
you know, the lot, there are a lot of economists out there that said, listen, well intended, but you just did it at the wrong time in the cycle. So what do you do? Maybe the tax breaks came. Um, maybe we shouldn't have looked at it through the political lens, and maybe we should have talked to some economists and say, hey, wait a second, is this going to make sense? Or, given the fact that unemployment's at record levels and the economy's chugging along, are we doing this at the wrong time? It's a fascinating conversation, and you're now sort of mixing the world of politics with finance and economies. And like it's never happened before. But well, tax- it happens all the time. I'm, I'm not, this is not to cast aspersions at the president in any way, but you, know, it, you need to sort of think these things through a little bit better, I, I, I submit. Well, yeah, that's, uh, there's no accusation there about this president shooting from the hip, right, without thinking. And uh, here is uh, my question regarding tax breaks. Tax breaks have always been around. I mean, there's no question when you have uh, inner city areas that you want build up, uh, corporations coming in, huge tax breaks. When you want more manufacturing uh, or more purchases of manufactured good, tax breaks for equipment that you buy. Uh, hiring people, tax breaks for new hiring programs. But is any of that necessary today? Well, you should incentivize companies to be in areas. For example, Detroit's a great example. And Cleveland, as we mentioned in a prior break, that is an interesting example. But should there be is a very Darwinistic point, And, you know, you're going to get into to, you're going to get into the, the whole supply side of things and other people that say, you know, wait a second, this is just, you know, allowed corporate Darwinism or, or Darwinism specifically to take over. I don't know the answer. I think companies should be incentivized. I think that if you do bring on people um, and hire people and, and grow out the area that you're in, you should be incentivized on the tax level. But quite frankly, I'm sort of on the free market front, and you, know, you let the chips fall where they mm-hmm. may. I, so that, that's me. And, and as you know, these tax breaks, as much as we'd love to say that they helped the individual, these tax breaks were geared towards corporations and small businesses specifically and you hope that it trickles down to the individual but as we've just said there's no real indication that that's happening all right one last one and that is uh, saudi arabia boosting oil production and at first uh, the president said it's going to be two million additional barrels a day which they held a lot of barrels uh and saudi arabia said uh well we never said it's going to be two million dollars uh, a quick one. Does the United States have uh, any real influence with Saudi Arabia, or is Saudi Arabia and its oil production simply a matter of maintaining the status quo? Too expensive, less money comes into the kingdom. Too cheap, uh, the kingdom doesn't get enough money. It's a very fine line that they're drawing. I think we would love to think we have some influence and we have some power over them, and to a large extent, their security uh, maybe is predicated on the United States having their back. But with that said, uh, they, they've done what they've wanted. To, they, they do what they want to do since the beginning of OPEC. And if the president were really to look at this, oil prices going higher is more a function of economies, not specifically globally, but ours, getting stronger. It's a supply-demand thing. So if I were the president, I would say higher oil prices are just a normal a function of our economy doing so well. So that's the way I would, but he's playing it the other way that OPEC is, yeah. uh, is you know, finagling with the prices. I'm not certain that's the case, but again, this all plays to a base that is steadfast in his camp. When is oil too, at what price is oil too expensive uh, and it's beyond the sweet spot? 
Well, if you remember, I know you do, we've seen oil spike up to $130 a barrel within the last decade or so, and that didn't seem to curtail commerce or stop the U.S. consumer. So I guess I would say we're maybe halfway there. But the world's changed a lot as well. I, I think, you know, if you and I are doing this 10 years from now, we'll talk from oil about it in the fossil fuel sense that it is. It's going to be a dinosaur at some point. So I don't think it's nearly as important as it was a decade ago. Right. I don't. To answer your question, we're not there yet in terms of is oil too expensive. All right, Guy. Thank you much. All right, Bill. All right. You know, I was reading uh, yesterday. I was listening to a report that by 2023 or 2022, there will be 500 models of electric cars out there. Mercedes is coming in with uh, by next year with a half a dozen. And so uh, Tesla, which owned the market, uh, is no longer going to own the market. You're going to have Audi and Mercedes, uh, BMW, all coming out with a huge number of uh, electric cars. That's just in the luxury uh, the luxury area, right? All right. Uh, he's right. It's going to change dramatically. All right. Uh, coming up, Handle on the News, late edition, right here. Handle on the News. Late edition. Handle on the news. Oh, man, yeah. I love the whole KFI crew. Bill Handel says all the things that you want to say. Oh, man. Tell us the things you don't want to hear, but that we need to know. And now, here's Bill Handel. Now, someone got paid to do that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Handel and uh, the morning crew on a Monday, July 2. And just before we start uh, Handel on the news, late edition, uh, some breaking news. Jennifer Jones-Lee. Yeah, we just got a headline from the Associated Press. New York has added a third sex charge against Harvey Weinstein. And I just pulled up a story from WABC. It says, pursuant to the ongoing investigation, a grand jury has charged Weinstein with an additional count of first-degree criminal sexual acts for an alleged forcible sexual act against a third woman in 2006, as well as two counts of predatory sexual assault, which carries a minimum sentence of 10 years and a maximum sentence of life in prison. He is going to go down hard when uh, he is convicted, if he is convicted and sentenced. And it's, uh, can you imagine being at this point the most vilified man in America? Which I think he's right up there, certainly in the top four or five. Bill Cosby. And when you think about it, uh, the vilified uh, Americans here are uh, sexual predators. You know, yeah, the two yeah, you think right of, now. Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein, who else is up there that's vilified? Well, certainly everybody on this show, but that's a different <laughs> issue. All right, you guys ready to do it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Handle on the news, late edition, lead story. And uh, well, what ended up happening? Uh, a man arrested uh, in a July 4th attack plot in Cleveland has uh, been arrested on terrorism charges. Uh, Demetrius Nathaniel Pitts. And it's not in this particular article for some reason, but I watched the uh, the press conference when the FBI guys announced that they had him. Also known, because you were wondering about this, also known as Abdur Rahim Rafiq. Okay, so and I was wondering, because I was about to apologize to uh, everybody of uh, Arab descent, people that Arab-sounding uh, names, uh, Muslim names, uh, because I had guessed saying this guy probably had that kind of a name, and all of a sudden... Uh, here's Demetrius Nathaniel Pitts, and I'm going to, whoops, uh, I was wrong this morning when I said it. I was not. 
Also in that news conference, here's the FBI special agent in charge, Stephen Anthony, who says Facebook posts were a big part of the investigation. They included verbiage that had words to the effect, we as Muslim need to start training like this every day. We need to know how to shoot guns, throw hand grenades, hand-to-hand combat. Oh, you think uh, that's going to get the FBI's attention? Now, I'm assuming he's a convert to Islam, uh, his, uh, his original name being uh, Pitts. Oh, all right. There's another foiled uh, plot. We don't know how many foiled plots there are, but I'll bet you they're in the hundreds every year, if not more. And the fact that we have not had a major, major attack here in the United States, uh, I think, is uh, either a miracle or the extraordinary work the FBI is doing or both. And this guy was going to go back. Mostly the latter and a touch of the former, I think. He was going to go after military and police in this Cleveland Fourth of July parade. But I think the sickest part of this that I had never heard before was the fact that he was going to use kids. He was going to hand out remote-controlled cars to little kids that were filled with explosives. Uh, How much damage can you do, (coughs) excuse me, with a remote-controlled car? That's a fairly small car. Uh, If you fill it up with C4, I mean, there's Mm -hmm. you can put a couple of pounds. Yeah. Well, you can do you can do a fair amount of damage with a couple of pounds of explosive, and especially if they're all over an area and they're going off, right. you know, at different places. Mexico has a new president. Amlo, as they call him. Can I just say something? Does anybody else, every time they say his whole name, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, does anybody else just think of a Labrador retriever? <laughs> yes, that's what I heard of. We may, but I doubt in Mexico uh, they do, or maybe they do. Anyway, a socialist, a uh, landslide socialist win. And uh, that uh, virtually guarantees that the country is going to go into the toilet uh, financially. Well, that you know what? I think that uh, people down there, some of them might feel that's a better place to go than into this toilet of violence that they've been experiencing, which has been really the big driver of this thirst for change down there. People really getting fed up with 30,000 murders a year. All right. Um, oh, speaking Le- of murders. Well, I know. LeBron James is coming to L.A., and at some point, he may have to meet in person LeVar Ball. I came in like a wrecking ball. And this is after the big lap doodle back in March where LeVar Ball was running his mouth about some NBA stars had fathers who weren't that great, but LeBron James kids, they're going to have a tough road to hoe because he's so good. And LeBron James said, you keep my kid's name out yeah. of your mouth. Keep my family out of your mouth. Yeah, it will be awkward. That will be awkward. Uh, although it's there's some truth to that. When dad is Lavar, uh, Lavar, oh, dad is uh, I'm sorry, LeBron James. Where do you go with that with a kid? You go from the best in the world. You know, it's a great personal story I've never shared here on KFI. Ooh, uh, and. And, you know, that's interesting. All the years I've been doing this is sort of there's never been a story I haven't shared. And that is uh, my my father and uh, my aunt. Uh, my dad was always never quite up to my aunt's stature as a student. And his father, in his sick way, would say, look at that. Your sister is better than you are. His sister, uh, my aunt, won for three, three years in, the, in, in uh, a row, the top student in Yugoslavia, and having been awarded a certificate from the Queen of Yugoslavia. 
And where does my dad go with that? Wow. How much better can you do? I mean, that's the same situation, which is one of the reasons my dad said it was such a screwed up, completely, uh, never mind. That's uh, that's between me and my therapist. Okay, why don't we just move on? Uh, but I think uh, uh, LeVar Ball has a very good point here. All right, we're coming back, aren't we? He certainly knows something about shepherding NBA careers when you yourself weren't that good. Yeah, it's true. Here you go. Handle here on a Monday, July 2, the big stories that we are covering. Uh, LeBron James is coming to the Lakers. Uh, the new president, AMLO of Mexico, uh, is going to run Mexico into the ground. He's a socialist. And now let's return to Handle on the News, late edition, Jennifer Jones-Lee. And there is uh, Wayne Resnick and me. And Michael Cohen says his loyalty is to family and country. And I think that means not President Trump. Cohen me, Cohen you. Yeah, that's exactly what it means. Also, you know, he has a new attorney. Uh, and this guy, Guy Patrio, he used to be the head of the criminal division in the uh, federal district yeah. in Manhattan. Which always so yeah. that guy knows exactly how it all works. Right. John? Uh, pull out the song uh, Flipper, King of the Sea. <laughs> Everyone knows the King of the it, Sea. Here's the thing what? we still don't know, though. Flipper, we flipper, faster than lightning. No one you see is smarter than he. Okay, we still don't know what, if anything... They found that concerns right. president right no, now. We don't know. There could be nothing. nothing there and literally nothing for him to give the right. prosecutors. We just don't know. All right. John Bolton, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he said North Korea's nuclear arsenal could be dismantled in a year. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Now what? If my grandmother had the right pump plumbing. She'd be my grandfather. But she doesn't. Or yes. didn't. So, it, so so what? If they cooperate in every way. Right. But the problem is uh, already, I know there was a big Washington Post piece, that they're already planning right. on how they're not going to cooperate and how not. they're going to hide stuff I mean, from think us. of the logic here for a moment. Uh, North Korea spends 40 years and 90% of its entire GDP on building nuclear weapons, and now they're going to just give it up. Uh, it doesn't make much sense. You guys... Uh, I have the most incredible update on a story we've been following for over a week now. Remember that soccer team in Thailand that got trapped in the cave when it was flooded? It was 12 boys and their coach. Yeah. yeah. They just found them. Oh. All alive. Fantastic. Oh, that's good. That oh, is great news. Thank, and you, thank, I was fully you. expecting to hear the bad news. Yeah. I, I don't have any of the details, but I've just been told by the newsroom they found them. They're alive. And from what I understand, the rescue is still ongoing, but they found them. Oh, well, now the uh, the hard part uh, is done finding them. And now it's just a question of uh, them rescuing them. Remember the Chilean miners? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it took a week to yeah. get to them or and longer. Was, I mean, people watched it that. Forever, it felt like. Remember, we? I watched that for hours. You just kept it on. I mean, just hoping that you would see the moment yep. when they rescued them. Yep. Well, even the cops don't like us anymore, according to some ICE officials. Like they used to be. 
Yeah, ICE is really taking the brunt of all of this when uh, they are under orders from the president. Everything they're doing is what the Justice Department asked them to do. And so, go figure. By the way, Brazil's about to win uh, the uh, this uh, game between uh, the U.S. between Mexico and uh, the U.S. Oh, excuse me, Mexico and Brazil. What I am I talking about? They won. I think they won. Did they already win? Is they it won. over? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm just looking at this. Why do I think in the U.S.? Oh, because we suck Two in nil. soccer. Yeah. Oh. Unless, unless something happened right in the last moments while we were doing yeah, no, this. Yeah, no, there's no Brazil. Yeah, there's no time hey, anymore. Rhymes. But the yeah, but the Brazilians aren't dancing around. They're just sort of walking off uh, the field. Well, I don't get it. You, you they be screaming and hugging each other and dancing and well, there's one a hug and uh, you know. Yeah, it is, you know, it, low, is, it is yeah. low key. Yeah, they just gave one of them just gave each other a low four. Okay. By the way, that means no free beer. Bud Light had offered free beer to uh, everybody if Mexico had won. Nope. No free beer. Yeah, I'm okay with that. All right. You well, want to continue about ice, or you want what do you want to do well, here? There's, there's a woman who's crying. Well, sure. Well, you know, just, they get very passionate about this, you know, of course. You, He's mesmerized. The hopes, the hopes were so much higher this time around for, for the, Mexico. For the Mexi- yes, and so now it's more painful. Yeah. Even though, if you took, if you take a step back and if you just look at it dispassionately, you know, you would have said, "Yeah, Brazil is almost yeah. certainly going to win this match." But have you said there's a, a Mexican woman who's committing suicide? Harry no, Carey. No, no, there's no. not. Oh. Okay. Now, it's it's a great story, and this is radio, where maybe we could pull that off. Mm. All right, why don't we keep on going? Well, I would say at this point, let's not. Are we done? Yeah, I think we're, we're done. done. All right, fair enough. Oh man! All right, coming up. Uh, I think you. I thought you would be happier. No, I am. I am actually. You know what? You're not jumping up and down and no, dancing around. No, because I'm not. I mean, I like Brazil, obviously, but I happen to be an American. Who happened to be born in Brazil? Yeah, but you don't have a horse in the race. Right yeah, now. And that's and I would be much, much, much more excited if the United States would even get into the World Cup. <laughs> I would be happy if they sold tickets to the World Cup. <laughs> Can you imagine all the you know they they're out there in the uh, the ticket booth selling the tickets? That's as close as they're going to get to the World Cup. That's for sure. All right, coming up. The uh, Canadian-U.S. tariff war begins right here, KFI AM 640. Handle here. All right. Plenty going on this morning. Monday, July 2, some of the big stories that we are covering. LeBron James uh, is now coming to the Lakers with a four-year, $154 million deal. Uh, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador AMLO has won the Mexican presidential election, and he is uh, a socialist. Poor people, yay, uh, for as long as uh, Mexico has money, which won't be very long. Also, and uh, we don't have any more news on this, do we, uh, Jen? You had just said uh, this is breaking. You know what? Actually, it turns out it was uh, inaccurate reporting, so we won't even go with it. All right. 
Uh, so breaking news, of which there is no breaking right. news. State. Other than Harvey Weinstein right. charged with an additional sexual assault charge okay. in New York. And then also they found the soccer team in Thailand that was trapped in the cave. So that is breaking news. That yeah. just happened within the last few moments, yep. uh, That which is uh, terrific. All right. Now, uh, the trade wars have started. Uh, they uh, began yesterday. And uh, this one I have. Uh, no, I'm on, I'm on side of uh, Donald Trump on this one uh, because it has to do with free trade. And that's one of the problems that he has uh, with NAFTA and why he pulled out. And certainly the TPP that he pulled out, pulled the United States out of, because uh, free trade means very different things to different countries. And you would think free trade would be, oh, how about this one? Free trade. But that's not the case. There are all kinds of protective barriers that various countries have have to protect themselves. Canada, for example, has an almost 300% tariff on dairy goods coming into the country, milk, cheese, that sort of thing. Why? To protect its uh, dairy industry. But wait a minute. Whatever happened to free trade? So it's now been going on, uh, well, now for a day. So then it's going to go the other way. New tariffs are going to be imposed uh, by Canada on beef going into Canada. Uh, more retaliation are going to come this week. China and Mexico are now taking aim at pork products that we make and ship. China is also planning a 25% tariff on soybeans uh, starting at the end of this week. In addition to hiking duties on pork, uh, on pork par- products. And so what is going on? Well, uh, the president threatened and, in fact, went through with uh, his uh, tariffs on aluminum and steel coming in from all three countries. And uh, he basically said, you don't give us free trade, fine. We'll, we'll do you one more. So it's tariff, and then we raise it. It's like a poker game where you're throwing in the chips. You know, I raise. No, I raise. No, I raise. And so it has become, I guess in one word, rather crazy. But in, uh, if you look on the other hand, it's uh, the president finally saying, we're done. Particularly with China. And this is the part that bothers me so much. And that is, uh, as we know, uh, with China, we buy an enormous hundreds of billions of dollars worth of goods from China. And part of that is China it subsidizes, dumps products in the United States below cost. And therefore, the American, uh, our American manufacturers can't even begin to compete with a lot of these products. And so free trade. Here we go again. Well, that doesn't involve a government subsidizing an industry because that's not free. You're not floating your goods on an open market. And I don't know why China even has to do with uh, has anything to do with it. For example, when it comes to manufactured goods, clothing, that sort of thing, electronics, China doesn't have to subsidize anything. It's out there. It competes. It does better than others, which is why the economy has exploded, which is why they don't manufacture TVs in the United States. Because they're far cheaper coming in from China. So now it starts. So when it comes to China, it's not only the manufacturing and the tariffs that they have. Oh, by the way, what do you think their tariffs are on American goods? You know, buying a Buick. Go figure this out. 
the hottest American car in China is Buick. Explain that one to me. Uh, that's just okay. Why not? Well, the tariffs are astronomical. And so it's it's not fair. I mean, it really isn't fair. And the United States has been taken advantage of for so long. And no president has done anything about it. You've got to give this president some real credit from saying that's enough. You give us free trade, we're fine. You don't give us free trade, we're out of, we are out of our treaties. We're done. We're going to abrogate. Now, I, I don't think NAFTA was a treaty treaty. I think the president does have, it was a, uh, it was an agreement made by the presidency. I think it was Bill Clinton that uh, committed us to a NAFTA. You can check that out. And it wasn't a treaty which has to be ratified by the U.S. Senate. That becomes a binding agreement. Really isn't. I mean, un unless you decide that uh, our word uh, that's not binding uh, makes us untrustworthy. And I guess it does. The rest of the world's looking at this presidency in a very unusual way, as in we can't trust you. Same thing with the agreement with Iran. Bad deal. Bad deal. We're bailing. But you promised. Bad deal. First of all, I didn't promise. It was the Obama administration that promised. So don't look at me. All right. Coming up, a preview of the Supreme Court. What is going to happen with the next court? We've talked about it a little bit, but I want to revisit and maybe do some guessing uh, because the president said by next week, we're going to get a new Supreme uh, Court nominee. KFI AM 640. KFI Handle here on a uh, Monday, July 2. What a weekend it's been. Uh, we have some uh, big news to share. Uh, the uh, president, the new president of Mexico is AMLO, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. Socialist. We'll see how quickly. Oh, did I just spill? I did. Damn it. Oh, I haven't done that in a while. My Diet Coke. Oh, stains and just disgusting. All right, hold on. I'm going to get some paper here. Okay, uh, let me go back. It's a live radio show. Uh, what can I tell you? You know, you can tell none of this is recorded. Okay, where was I? Oh, new president of Mexico. Uh, I just talked about the uh, Canadian tariffs. Of course, LeBron James is now coming to Los Angeles for the Lakers. They just found that young soccer team, those 12-year-old kids uh, in uh, Thailand. I mean, it has been more than an interesting morning and weekend. So now, uh, the Supreme Court, I talked a little bit about this, but I'll tell you why this has become a big story uh, what the next court is going to look like, because the president said that within a week, we're going to know who his new nominee is. And what is hilarious, he said, I'm not going to ask what the potential Supreme Court justice nominee feels about Roe v. Wade. Of course not. You you can't ask how do you feel about a uh, a situation or a topic that you are going to judge. Not even how'd you feel about it when it was. How do you feel about it now when the judge is actually going to be looking at a Roe v. Wade case coming up? Of course he can't ask that question. I mean, you can't do a litmus test. Now, does he know 
Of course he does. Because one of, for example, one of the judges he's considering is a judge who has written saying Roe v. Word, uh, Roe v. Wade is the worst abomination in the history of the American judicial system. So where do you think he's going to go? You think he really has to ask him where you feel or what you feel about Roe v. Wade? So the point is, I think there are five or seven finalists, all of them uh, arch conservatives, no moderates. So what does that mean? Well, Justice Kennedy is gone. He's retiring. Uh, he is actually done. And so starting in October, there's going to be a new uh, court. And uh, there'll be uh, a very conservative, conservative justice. And so the justice is going to join the ranks of Gorsuch, very conservative. Uh, you've got Clarence Thomas, very conservative. No, that's not true. Very, very conservative. So it's going to range from very conservative to very, very conservative. So you're going to have four liberals on the court and five uh, ultra-conservatives. So where do you think it's going to go? For example, uh, let's talk about uh, uh, freedom of religion. Now, the cupcake case, remember the baker in Colorado actually was a wedding cake, but I happen to like cupcakes. Uh, that uh, was, it's, somehow it's been reported that was in favor of uh, the of the baker. Well, it was, but only on a procedural level. The court held that the Equal Rights Commission simply made a mistake in making their decision. The guts of the case, the underlying issue, was not decided. Well, there is a case that is going to be decided, similar case involving a florist, and the justices sent that back to uh, the Washington, Washington State. It's going to return to the high court next year. And guess what? Where do you think that's going to go? The religious liberty claim. It's going to really have some legs. And you're going to see that now. You are going to see people who uh, provide services that refuse to provide services for gay weddings, for example. I don't know how far that's going to go, uh, interestingly enough. How about gay people in general? If someone is an out-of-the-closet homosexual and wants some service. Nope. Because you're a homosexual. All right. We'll see how that goes, right? Uh, the area of privacy. Right? Is that going to uh, disappear? I think privacy is going to be defined in a very, very different way. Uh, certainly gun control is already gone. Uh, and I, the big one, I think, is going to be Roe v. Wade, for sure. All of the other points uh, that we've been uh, talking about... You're simply going to see the uh, going from, well, at this point, there are a lot of conservative decisions. For example, Citizens United, which uh, allowed unfettered involvement by any billionaire to not only attempt to, but actually influence the way an election is going to go. And interestingly enough, um, Kennedy voted in favor of the conservatives on that one for Citizens United. And so you're going to see... A very pro-business, a very anti-labor. Well, the decision was just made, uh, and again, with uh, the swing vote uh, against labor that just emasculated uh, public service sector unions, wiped them out because that the fair use rule, and forget that's what they, uh, they called it, where you didn't have to join the union. Of course, if there was a union in the public sector, no one could be forced to join the union, but... 
could be forced to pay the equivalent of union dues because uh, that member, the non-member, got the benefit of the collective bargaining agreement. That's gone. That's gone. No one has to join a union anymore. And so everybody will take the benefit of the collective bargaining agreement, but there's going to be no one that's going to pay into the union anymore or pay that use tax, if you will. All right. So much going on. Now, uh, we are going to have a little bit of fun. And what do we do? Where's my gavel? Okay, here we go. Here's my gavel, okay? Monday, I get to play with my gavel. Do they have a case? Wayne Resnick comes aboard. Wayne, with his vast knowledge of the law, which he actually does have, having been in the uh, federal criminal justice system for many years before he came here and and, uh, joined our show, And we'll ask the question, do they have a case? Either yes or no. That was for no reason whatsoever. All right. I have one that you can gavel on. Okay. So my top story, obviously, was going to be LeBron coming to L.A. Right. But then I was also going to go with this story about the minimum wage going up in parts of L.A. County. And then I saw a breakdown of LeBron James's contract. $154 $154 million right. for four years, right? $35.5 million per year. $3.2 million per month. $740,384 per week. $105,476 a day. Guess what he makes an hour? No idea. $4,394 an hour. But that is for an eight-hour day, right? If you look at what he actually gets paid per game, per game. <laughs> then it be, because that's when he works is per game. Also, there's practices, et cetera. Yeah. So uh, let's figure out what he spends per week on between practice and what he uh, what he gets per week when they're playing. And, and keep in mind, uh, they don't play six months a year. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. All right. That's kind of fun, I too. Like we need to double all of these. Right. No kidding. All right, well. Okay, you got it. What other news? Well, that is my top story, of course, LeBron. Gavel time. The banging of the gavel when Bill Handel says if they have a kiss. Oh, yeah, it's gavel time. All right. We know Bill Handel can't be a real judge any place. It's gavel time. Oh, yeah. I keep on wanting to listen to that, but I jump in. Way too early, constantly. All right. It is, do they have a case? Same rules always apply. Wayne Resnick uh, does the research, looks up the cases. Uh, I have no idea. I hear him the same time you do. And it's either a lower court that's making a decision, the appeals court is making a decision, hasn't yet, or it has been decided. And then I try, well, I don't really guess. Uh, I take my vast legal knowledge, put it to good work. For those of you that think that I am not a lawyer, you'd think you'd be right. State bar number 90971. Okay. There you go. Are you ready to do it? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Oh, boy. This story, it's a story of a townhouse. This guy owned it. His name was Charles Jett. And then he didn't pay the taxes on it. So the city took over the townhouse. They've owned that townhouse since 1998. It's a city property. All the way up to 2015, 
when uh, this couple, who are the plaintiffs in this case, buy it at a tax auction. Now, while the city owned the townhouse, the city's code enforcement department started enforcement proceedings against the previous owner for different deficiencies on this property. But the city owns it now, and they start it. And they decide that this guy owes uh, $12,000 in fines. And it comes with a warning that, you know, if you don't take care of this, we could demolish the building. Well, this couple now buys the townhouse. They don't know anything about any of this. There's no notice given to them. One day, they're tooling around and they see a sign and it says, oh, this townhouse at this address is going to be demolished by the city. They say, what the hell is this about? You guys, we just got this property. You can't, you got to cancel this lien against this property now. And the city says, oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. We cancel the lien. Two days later, they demolish the townhouse. No warning to these people, nothing. So they write to the city and say, you guys demolished our home for no good reason. We want compensation. You know what the city did? They sent them a bill for $11,000 for demolishing their townhouse. They throw up their hands. Wait a second. The city sent the couple a bill for demolishing their townhouse, even though it was the city that did the demolition. Yes. And even though they had canceled the lien on the property that gave them the the reason to to demolish it. So the couple throws up their hands and they go right to federal court. And they say, this is crazy. Fourth Amendment violation, taking of our property. You guys are out of control. And the district judge said, have you sought compensation from the state for this? And they say, no. And it says, oh, you don't even have any standing to do anything here right now. Why? Because I'm assuming there's a statute that says you have to go to the state first right. when there's a demolition. I mean, that's the only basis of any of this. Well, gen- right. Generally, you have to seek compensation before you can file a claim. Right. Of course they but they made fi- the claim against the city. Yes. They did. Anyway, so now it goes to the federal appeals court, and really the question is this. Is what happened egregious enough that they have standing to sue now and they don't have to go through this other rigmarole? Wow. Okay. Uh, So they didn't follow uh, the law. I'm going to tell you, I think that the city has the case uh, because once you make a claim— now, clearly, the claim is legitimate. Clearly, the city violated everything on this planet with that. But if the law says prior to making a claim against the city, you have to go to the state and file a claim against the state is procedural. It's a statute of limitations whenever you're dealing with a municipality. You can sue, but you have a six-month window in which you have to let them know you're going to sue them. And if you don't let them know, you're done. I think the same thing goes here. I believe that the city is going to prevail. And is this egregious enough? Hell yes. But it's very egregious. But the law is the law. And I think the law has to be upheld. No townhouse for you. Yet. That's right. And the the justices who wrote this opinion, they basically said, man, we really looked for something in the law that we could use to help you guys because, holy smokes, the city's out of control with this. But technically, you have to go do it. And they basically said, 
Just and go if you do don't it. Get, go do it. And if you don't get the compensation that you think is fair, Come oh back. my gosh, are you going to have a dynamite lawsuit right. later? You know, I had the same thing happen to me. Not on uh, on that situation, but when I started early on my surrogacy uh, career, uh, there was a sperm donor act that's in pl- still in place, and uh, I sued. And what it said was that a man uh, who impregnated a woman other than his wife could not be the father. Uh. Well, that's exactly who our dads were. We would artificially inseminate the surrogate mother with the father's sperm. So the oh to to get a child for right. a gay couple, well for any couple or any couple, okay for any couple. And uh, so it was his wife though, and uh, no, it was a surrogate mother, not his wife. So the sperm donor act said uh, that a sperm donor is someone who inseminates someone other than his wife, and a physician does it. And that's exactly who our fathers were. And the law said they had no standing to be a father. Matter of fact, they were the only people precluded on this planet that couldn't claim fatherhood because they were under the Sperm Donor Act. I took it to court, and I went to the appeals court, and they threw it out, and in the dicta, they said, bring us a real case. You have a real good constitutional issue. But you know, Handel, no one is complaining. You don't have a real case because show us someone who has been denied. You have to have standing. Get out! Did you ever go back with another no, case? There's never been there's never been a case in California where uh, the sperm donor act was tried to be invoked, and then it doesn't even matter anymore because the Supreme Court ruled uh, totally. Uh, a, a, in those situations, the Supreme Court ruled the sperm donor act does not apply. Oh, I see. So okay. we never had anybody who was denied fatherhood, and you never will. Under not those anymore. Circumstances not anymore. Oh, wow. But there was a case. We're standing. Give us a real case. We yeah. want to decide in your favor, but there's no case. Right. Schmuck. Nah. I doubt they said that. Actually, they almost did. We'll take a break and come back. More. More. Do they have a case? KFI. See, that's a great. See, uh, Jennifer, that's a real good story. That isn't is it? a good story. There you go. All right. Especially the schmuck part. Especially. All right. KFI Handle here on a Monday. Oh, Lawyers, Guns, and Money. Excellent. Oh, uh, some news. Handle here in Wayne, and it's, do they have a case? You know, while we were talking about uh, me going up to the Court of Appeals on a surrogacy issue many, many years ago where I was thrown out of the court, uh, thrown out of uh, the appeals court, uh, a story just broke about freezing eggs. And I've had a lot of clients who uh, have, in fact, frozen eggs uh, and uh, the story broke that it's really not the women who are doing it for the purposes of holding off until they're older because of career. It's the men's fault because they can't find men that are appropriate. They can't find men that they want to be the father of the child and they don't want to marry yet. It's the guys. It's the lack of good guys. Right. Wow. No, there's not enough father worthy men out there. So women are saying, I'll put these eggs on ice, Until, and then I'll see if I can find someone. And if not, I'll have a sperm donor, which has happened, yeah. and uh, impregnate, uh, well, actually fertilize the eggs, you have the embryo, and then I'll either carry or I'll have a surrogate mother carry. Fascinating, isn't it? God, I love this field. This is why I'm still not bored with it. Okay, do they have a case? Next case! Pet food! Major lawsuit. Uh, there are big pet food companies. If you walk into any 
pet store and you look at the packages for pet food, yeah. you notice a theme. And the theme is, let's say it's a lamb and rice pet food. And what's on the package? A wonderful, juicy lamb chop. So one company sued a bunch of other pet food companies for false advertising. You don't make your lamb pet food from juicy, wonderful lamb chops. You make it from lamb trimmings, stuff that's left over after the juicy lamb chop is prepared for humans to eat. And therefore, that is false advertising because people are going to think that you make it from these wonderful high-end cuts of meat when you don't. That's the whole lawsuit. Is it false advertising? Whoa. Uh, First of all, uh, you're right. Uh, It's not lamb chops. It's lamb lips and lamb ears and lamb feet and then other parts of the lamb that we can't even get into because this is a family show. Uh, And uh, I'm going to argue that it is false advertising that because they're not lamb chops, uh, especially since probably no lamb chops were involved at all. So I'm guessing you're giving me the weird look. False advertising. No. Why? Why? Well, uh, there's a thing, and you have mentioned this many times. Therefore, it makes it even more stupid, my decision. Puffery. They call that puffery. Wow. See, I don't buy that at all. Well, puffery. Let me tell you what puffery is. Mm-hmm. Um, this is you obviously know. Puffery is we're the biggest, we're the smartest, we're the most comfortable, we are, and then just on and on and on, uh, where you can't prove it, uh, but it's you just telling people how wonderful you are. This is specific. This is not puffery. This is, we make this out of lamb chops, or at least the implication is lamb chops. That's the problem. It's an implication. And, uh... For false advertising, there's a couple of ways it can be false advertising. And the main one, the easiest one, if you have it, is if it's a literally false message. But it has to be unambiguous. So the fact that you just said it implies maybe that they make the food out of lamb chops is not the same thing as saying we make this food out of lamb chops. See, I'm not going to buy that because look at packages of cereal, look at packages of vegetables, which are these spectacular-looking foods uh, that are on the package, right? It says serving suggestion. Mm -hmm. It specifically says you're not going to look like this this is what it would look like, well, effectively, if you hired the best food photographer on the planet and you spent three days photographing this and you had food stylists come in, which is what happens with the covers, uh, because usually, let's say, frozen vegetables, right? And it, here's a bowl. They're beautiful. You have the butter on just melting perfectly. Uh, when in reality, if you take it out, you have a clump of frozen vegetables uh, that when you try to defrost it, they're soggy, there's soup at the bottom, it looks like vegetable stew at the bottom, and they're you know, they're discolored. And I mean, that's the reality. Oh, no, look at this. This looks spectacular. Uh-uh. I don't buy it. I think the court is wrong. I don't think that it is puffery. Now, I don't mind when I'm just dead wrong. I get that. But not in this case. I'm telling you. That is not puffery. That is straight out, this is what we make it out of. And we don't, you know, for example, chicken, right? If they put a beautiful chicken. Which they do. They right. put they put like a delicious right. looking chicken breast. I know, but it's not. It's chicken lips that they use. Okay. They said that uh, <laughs> a reasonable person might equally assume 
that it's made out of a chicken breast, or they might they might equally believe they're just showing me the kind of animal that's used in oh, making the dog. Come on, for please. So different species. How about putting up a rooster, or or being better? You have a it's great. One of the greatest chickens in the world, the greatest frying chicken on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. And it turns out to be a, a four-year-old rooster that they actually make the the uh, whatever dish is, which is chewy yeah, and stringy. stringy. And oh, it it's it's sort of a chicken. It's the same family, rooster, chicken. What's the difference? See, I don't know how far you can go on that. That is not a lamb chop. That they're made out of lamb pieces. Disgusting, horrible. Pieces of lamb that you would never even dream existed. Lamb intestines, lamb gonads. All right, we get it. Oh, do you? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. We're done. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. So why don't we do this again tomorrow? What do you think? No. Yes. All right. <laughs> Handle in the morning crew. Up next, Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640.